following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, would you open up your Bibles, if you have one, uh, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, this morning. <clears throat> and if you have an electronic device, you can access the Bible on there too as well. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Jordan, is there any good... Um, Bible apps out there, like what are, what are the ones that you use? I don't use a whole lot of Bible apps. I use a, a software program called Logos, which is um, just kind of has a lot of Bibles in there and, and some tools and stuff like that. Um, but uh, there's an app that is called the ESV app. I preach out of an, what's called an English Standard Version of the Bible, um, and uh, it's just the Bible. There's no like um, notifications in there. There's no ads in there. I just like it because it's clean and I can look at it. It's a really, really good app. It's called the ESV Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, that's a free app. Uh, Most of you guys have a smartphone, stuff like that. You can get that actually. And I would encourage and recommend that you you go that direction. There's other Bible apps out there. I'm kind of like a like a squirrel looking for, you know, some nuts sometimes. I'm all over the place. So I don't like any notifications or anything popping up. And when I read my Bible, something else to think about is I put it in airplane mode. Um, and, and a lot of you guys are asking, you know, like, where do I start in my Bible? Uh, maybe you've never even opened your Bible before. I would say read um, a chapter from Proverbs a day, depending on what day it is. Um, Proverbs is in the Old Testament. It's just a book of wisdom. It's a great place to start. And then parallel that with the book of John, which is the story of Jesus. And you can see kind of how it all fits together, which is my recommendation. We are in Ephesians, uh, which is a letter from Paul. And um, speaking that it's almost Christmas... There's somebody out there that knows exactly how many days are till Christmas. I know you as a congregation well. As I was thinking about this with moms um, and it being Mother's Day, I thought to myself, you know, is there like a good kind of kickoff that we could do? And being that it is almost almost Christmas because it's almost here, um, I'm reminded of one of my favorite Christmas movies, and that would be The Christmas Story. Do you know what I'm talking about? About the kid that's Ralphie, that little kid, you know, and it's on TBS like 24-7 when the holiday season rolls around, and it's about these kids, and it's it's really kind of dark humor sometimes because it's like, does life really happen like that? But there's a scene which every mom would be absolutely petrified if it happens to your kid where they're gathered around in the wintertime around the flagpole, you know what I'm talking about? And... What happens in this moment is uh, there's a flagpole and it's cold and one of the kids looks at the other kid and the whole school looks like it's out there and he's like, I dare you to put your tongue on that flagpole. And this, these kids, these poor kids' moms, right? Like this is what you had to endure. I looked at some of the pictures for me and my mom and I'm like, I just, I called her this morning I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry that you had to raise me. And she's like, don't worry, Jesus and I are really close because of it. <laughs> And uh, the kid's like, no, do it. Put your tongue on the flagpole. And the other kid looks at him, and he's like, I don't know if that's a good idea, you know. And, and then the kid, what's he do? He ups it, and he's like, I double dog dare you to put your tongue on the flagpole. And the whole school's like, oh, he just said double dog dare. Now you have to do it. And before the kid can even get anything out of his mouth, he raises the stakes one more time. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but he's like, I triple dog dare you. And whoever's mom this kid is, like, I feel really bad for, right? I mean, look at that kid. That, that kid just screams out, you need, like, a timeout, right? I mean, you need to sit in a corner and think about your life for a second. Sure enough, the kid does it, puts his uh, tongue on the flagpole, and the teachers run out, and he's got to go home. He's got to explain the whole thing that happened, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. That's a negative thing, right? When somebody, like, triple dog dares you to do something, it's a negative thing. Um, but there's essentially kind of dares where it pushes us to do something in a positive way. 
And in the book of Ephesians, we've been talking about this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 14, it's essentially in the original Greek, because the Bible was written originally in Greek in the New Testament, in Hebrew, in the Old Testament. There's a run-on sentence that Paul, the apostle, I'll talk about him in just a second, uses uh, for 1 through 14. And we talked about that last week, about the wonderful grace of Jesus. We spent three weeks talking about the unmerited favor that we have, that God lavished upon us all these gifts. And we, we looked at that um, in the last three weeks. And you can go back to communitygospelchurch.com media. You can pick these up, these messages up. They're great to listen to on your commute. I'm going to give you a little secret about how I listen to sermons. You ready for this? There's a 2x speed button on it. You can get a 30-minute sermon done in 15 minutes. So don't do that for me, but anybody else. Okay, it's free game. Um, and then Paul moves into a second, essentially the second run-on sentence in chapter 1, verse 15, all the way to 23, which is the end. Now, some of you are like, Ephesians, what are you talking about, Jordan? Let's backtrack a second if you haven't been with us. And I know some of you haven't been with us in Ephesians. And so let me just give you kind of Ephesians real quick, three bullet points at a glance. Ephesians is written by a guy named Paul. He's previously known as Saul. Saul was one who persecuted the church. Paul was an Old Testament Jew. And what that means is that he followed the Jewish faith. And what happens is Paul, who was Saul, um, would persecute the church because he saw people who were giving their lives to Jesus and it made him so upset because it was contradictory to what the Jewish faith was all about. He was so mad about it that he would have people stoned and killed. It says in the Bible that he held the coats for the people who threw rocks at a guy named Stephen and he killed him. And, and Paul was, he was, he was happy. He saw glory happen because the church was being persecuted and people were being killed. Then all of a sudden, God shows up, and Jesus meets him on this road to Damascus, and he says, Saul, what's your problem with me? Why do you persecute the church? And Saul can't give a good answer. He's dumbfounded that Christ is right in front of him. He doesn't have an answer except for the fact that he realizes he's wrong, and he turns his life over to Jesus Christ, and there's changes that start to happen, which is the same thing that happens for us when we come into a relationship with Jesus. There's changes that start to happen into our life that we can't explain. And so um, when Paul writes a letter to this church called Ephesus, it's called the crown of his writing because it's kind of like the way that my mom feels about me. I'm the crown of the family. I'm her favorite jewel. Okay, it's how Bethany's family feels about her, okay, that she's the crown, all right? He would say, essentially, if this was like a king's crown, it's the one jewel that stands out the most because Paul just communicates over and over and over again about the grace of God and how evident it is in our life and that you can see it with your own eyes. And so then it moves into the fact that these people who are receiving this letter, like I said, are in a church called Ephesus in the surrounding churches in Asia, okay, to give you kind of a context of where they're at. He writes to these people, there's Jews there, there's Gentiles there, they're from all different walks and backgrounds of life, kind of like us who are gathered here at Community Gospel. And as Paul writes this letter to him, he says, essentially, I want you to beware of false teachers that are starting to come on the scene. People are teaching things that are different than what the Bible says, Old Testament, about this Jesus guy. See, Paul's Bible was the Old Testament Bible, and there was 300 prophecies about who Jesus was and what Jesus was all about. And Paul says because he met Jesus, they've come true, and he sees the validity of a relationship with Christ. And he wants the church to be really careful to stick true to what we would call the doctrine or the teachings of the faith. And not let other things enter in and creep in like water in the rocks. It's, it makes a rock easier to break. So happens in the church today. It's all these false doctrines, false teachings come in about Jesus. And what it causes is essentially a bunch of division. And Paul says, I want you to be one under Christ, whether you're Jew or Gentile, regardless of your ethnicity or background. He says, man, I want you guys to love not only Jesus well and love God through your relationship with Jesus well. I want you to love each other well too. If you jump into the Bible to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, I believe it is, the Ephesian church is actually um, built up and says that they did this. They did it well. They loved God with all their heart, soul, minds, and strength, and they loved their neighbors as themselves. So when we look at it this morning, we really get the opportunity to see how relevant it is to us. Before we look at the text, let me pray for us. God, here's your truth 
and what it's all about. And, and I would pray that you would impress, just as we ask for the kids who are dedicated here, uh, for us who are gathered here, to impress the truths of Scripture on the hearts of the people who are gathered here today. And that this, as we talk about what happens in Ephesians, would, would really come alive, jump off the pages, and, and the people who are gathered here today in this congregation, that they would have the opportunity to see that, that you're talking to them personally in a way that I cannot. And that the words that you present here uh, uh, through your servant Paul would be something for us to grab hold on, and you would help us to see that the truths for that day are, are still truths for today. We thank you for Paul and that he was a willing servant. And we ask that you would help us to be willing servants too as well. May our hearts be softened to what you have in store for us here this morning. Help us not only be hearers of the word, but to live it out and be doers as well. And may the people who are here see the genuineness of what I'm trying to communicate and may it come across in a way that is, that is just from you and not from anything else. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at this. I put the scripture on the, up on the screen because I know maybe some people don't have a Bible, and that's okay. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is what it says. Paul says, for this reason, in other words, for all of the things that I just told you about the grace of God, all the things that you just know, the wonderful, and we had 10 kind of bullet points about the grace of God. It, for this reason, because of God's grace, here now, because of what you uh, what, what have heard in the faith in the Lord Jesus toward the love toward the saints, 15, he says, you love God well, you love each other well. I don't cease or stop to give thanks to you remembering in my prayers. Now, the, my prayers written, written in red is not Jesus' words. It just came uh, uh, kind of comes off the page. It, it stands out to me, and I want to really... Look at that here this morning of what Paul says about his prayers, because Paul's prayer life is so parallel to what ours needs to be like, and we learn something about Paul here in these two verses that is so true for us. Now, if Paul were standing here today, he would say, I triple dog dare you to not do three things that are going to be bad for you. He would say, I triple dog dare you to do three things that are going to be good for you. He says, essentially, I want to spur you on to do something here today. I triple dog dare you to do it. He goes right over the first dare to the double dog dare, and boom, lands in our lives. We're like, whoa, in light of what you have heard, I triple dog dare you, especially with the first two verses, number one, to pray like I pray. We learn, like I said, a massive amount of truth from Paul's prayer life just on those two passages of Scripture. What do we learn? Well, the first thing that we learn is that Paul hears of others' faith. This is true for Paul in all other churches that he planted. Paul was a church planner. He, go, he went around and he essentially planted up all these churches. He came to know Jesus and he wanted other people to know the same Jesus that he knew. And so he starts all these congregations where they're gathering together. He hears from Ephesus that there's good things going on and he's encouraged by it. But in other churches, there were things going on that he was troubled by. It didn't matter if it was a good thing or a bad thing. When Paul prayed for the churches, it was this that he heard, their faith and trust, which was a catalyst for him to pray for others. So if you want to know what a good prayer life is all about, it comes first from hearing. We have to have ears that are opened, like Paul's, to hear about the things that are going on in our lives. So it would be a catalyst for us to pray. As believers, those of us who know Jesus Christ, we are in a relationship with God through Jesus. We don't go through a priest. We don't go through a pastor. We go through Jesus because the Bible says that he is the mediator between me and God. Because of his blood that was shed on the cross, he's the mediator. So I open my ears, first of all, to hear about the things that are going on. For Paul in Ephesus, it was good. Or there was things that were going on in other churches that were bad. And whether it was bad or good, it was a catalyst for him to pray. And so it should be for you and I. Now, I gave you some other churches here, but Paul planted a bunch of places for Rome and uh, the church at Philippi, uh, the church at Colossae, Thessalonica, Corinth. If you look at 
all of those books of the Bible, you'll see that Paul hears what's going on, and before he gives any instruction, he prays, because hearing is a catalyst for prayer. Whatever you hear in your life should be a catalyst for you to communicate to God. So the question on the table is, well, Jordan, that's all good, but nobody ever taught me how to pray. Now, here's the crazy thing. Because we dedicated children up here, I've never taught my kids how to pray. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't even know if you know what goes on in my house. Some of you are like, I would like to know what goes on in your house. We don't have the time or <laughs> the energy to explain all the things that's happened in my house because it's crazy. If there's a reality TV show out there, we would be like up here, but Bethany's like, no cameras in our house ever. That's the way it goes, okay? I have never taught my kids how to pray because they've watched me and they've watched Bethany. And so they just kind of do it because more is caught than taught. If we were to learn or to catch what Paul is saying, we would get these things from him based off a culmination of all of his letters. So first of all, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and by that I mean if you've realized I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, Jesus is the Savior, his blood that was shed on the cross is for me, you can approach God confidently through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of us are timid in our relationship with God. Some of us don't know that we can boldly approach the throne of God confidently to ask whatever it may be. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that you and I, Christians, have to approach the throne asking God anything and he will hear us according to Keyword there, according to his will. I can approach confidently the throne of God. Now, I don't know how you grew up. I could always go to dad, mom, a little tentative, right? Because in my family, I'm not sure how it went with you, but it might be opposite. When I went to dad, like he was kind of a softy, and mom was the hammer. So if I went to mom with something, I mean, it was like, look out, right? I mean, she was like, Jordan, I can't, again? And my dad was kind of like, well, let's talk about it, you know? Let's talk about God's grace and what that always means. I'd rather talk about grace with my dad than the wrath of God from my mom. Amen? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I confidently pray what, though? I pray like Paul prayed. Paul prayed this. He says, I confidently approach the throne of God, first of all, because I enjoy having a relationship with God, and it validates that I have a relationship with him. Now, some of this stuff is going to be notes, some of it's not. Write whatever you want, okay? When I communicate more with God, it not only helps me see the relationship's real, but it also validates that the relationship's good. Just as you guys who are in marriages or even friendships, those of you who aren't married, the more you talk to somebody, the further you get. doesn't matter even if it's an argument or, you know, volume is raised or it's, or it's low or even if you're sitting in silence sometimes together, there's still a lot to be said that we're still communicating with one another. And so it is with God. Paul said, I pray because it helps me to enjoy my relationship that I have with God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, he would say, I have to approach him, though, and confess sin before I ask him to meet my needs, okay, and make sure that it aligns to his will. Now, those three are huge for you and I. How many times do you pray coming boldly before the throne of God in confidence that he does hear you and pray specifically that your sin, the things that you know are wrong, that you continue to do are evident and be open and honest with him, which is exactly what Paul is. Every time Paul approaches the throne of God, he is honest and open about what's going on in here. And here's the crazy thing about a relationship with Jesus that I wish more Christians would understand. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. None. So when I confidently approach the throne of God and I pray to him and I'm like, God, here I am, I'm your servant, and I'm trying to do your work and your will here on this earth, but here's what's going on. God leans in and listens and says, keep going. Talk to me. Like, tell me what's happening. So when Paul prays for the Ephesian church, he leans in and he says, God, here's what I know is true about them. This situation, good. Other churches, other situations, he says, here's what's happening. And Paul lays it out there for God in a relationship with him about what's happening. 
Look what Philippians says. Do not be anxious about anything. You know what that means in the original Greek? Ready for this? Breathe. Like, take a moment as you approach confidently God the Father, who you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and just breathe. Put everything in your life in airplane mode and stop what you're doing. And in everything, by prayer and supplication, asking for things, let your requests be made known to him. Be open and honest with him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which is something that you gain from a relationship with Jesus Christ that nobody else knows about, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I confidently approach the throne of God, which is what Paul's doing in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Confidently asking him in an open and honest relationship, knowing that he is going to give me peace. Now watch this. How does that work? How does that look like? Let me give you just a tangible um, way that I pray, and I do it all the time. If you come to church here, uh, you, you, hear me, you hear me do this. Here's how Paul approaches the throne of God, and here's how I would encourage you to pray in your everyday life. <clears throat> okay, First of all, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Paul gave you 10 points in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 14, about the things in which you can praise God for. He says, because of the wonderful grace of Jesus, we know that he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, he is a good God, he cares about us, he's a good father. He walks through all of these things, and he brings it up here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, because he's already laid out kind of things that you can praise God for. So you, in your life, you can praise God for things that are happening in your life. Now, the more mature you go in your relationship with Christ, you start to praise him for some of the conflicts that take place too. So when you pray to God, do you do this? Do you, first of all, praise him for who he is, that you have food on the table, that you have health, that you have kids. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you praise God that you don't have kids, right? Some of you need to be in that boat, all right? You see all of us struggling, and you're like, Jesus, I just want to say thanks. I don't have any children. I don't like that guy. Anyway, you say, God, thank you for my job and my home and, and all of these things. Americans are blessed beyond their wildest imaginations with the flowing blessings of God. You can name, like for hours, the way that God has been good to you and me. And then I look at God and I say, because of all the blessings that I have received, and you see this in Paul's life, you see this in the apostles' life, I confess openly and honestly my sin that so easily, the Bible says, entangles me. When's the last time you got serious with God and told him the thing that's going on? I'll never, ever, ever forget. I told my dad one time on a Canada fishing trip one of my deepest, darkest secrets. I mean, we're sitting on a boat, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I'm going to want to do this, and I think about it, and I think about it, and I said, Dad, i got to tell you something. He's like, go for it. And he, he, looked, he, he reels in his line, he puts his, uh, he turns, don't turn, keep doing what you're doing. Like, and he turns, and he looks at me, and he's like, he's like fire away, and I'm like, Dad, and I, and I told him what was going on. That was for me and him. You don't get to know what that is, okay? And you know what he said to me? I know. I've always known. And I'm like, why did you say anything? And he's like, because we've been praying for you, you know? I know. That's what God says. Openly, honestly, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to reveal things to him. He's going to look at me over and over again. He's going to say, I know. I, I know. God, I'm struggling with my wife. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with my job. Like, I have nasty thoughts about this guy at my workplace. God's going to look at you and say, I know. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He knows past. He knows present. He knows future. He's God. You're not. Let him have your stuff. So I put that at the throne. Now watch this. I've emptied my heart here. Then I ask him, not according to my will. Okay, Jesus, give me a new car. Okay, Jesus, give me this stuff. Okay, Jesus, here's what I need. Here's the laundry list of materials. No, you say, God, conform what is going on in my life with your will and not my own. So the person at work who might be difficult, he might be difficult for a reason because he's helping you conform to the image of Christ and you in turn helping him. He might be keeping you in your marriage because he wants you to understand how that marriage is a picture of a relationship of what it's like with him. Like so many people just run. They're like, hey, we had problems. You know, we split up, we left. No, it's not how it works. In a relationship, especially a marriage relationship, it is so parallel to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's not my will be done, it's our will be done. And our will be done starts with the will of the Father. 
and I yield to him. And I lean back, Proverbs chapter 3, I lean on his understanding. And he grabs me in my embrace and he says, okay, now we can do the work that's needed to be done. You pray like that? Now, the question on the table is, does God ever not hear me? And the answer biblically to that question is yes, absolutely. If we're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, absolutely. How do I talk to somebody I don't even know? What about when I'm holding on to sin? I mean, I got this thing just clutched like this, and God's like, I would love to talk to you about that, but if you're not being open and honest with me about it, we're not getting anywhere, right? Like, if I look at Jesus, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, God, <coughs> we're good. All right. If I look at him, and I'm like, I'm like, here, uh, here's this thing that so easily entangles me, but I'm more wrapped up in that than I am with you. Then, then he's like, I don't, I don't hear you. And, and you guys know this who are married, right? This happens. Like when I'm more consumed with my phone than I am with that conversation, Bethany better say amen here, with the conversation that's going on across the living room, right? Say, 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 what I say? Huh? You were talking? What are you, what are you talking about? Because you're on your phone. Give it up. Right? When you start talking in your relationship with God, guess what he does? He drops everything and he says, okay, I'm ready to listen to you. But if you have that sin that's just sitting there, he's like, he's like hold on, I can't talk to you with, with that. What about when you're being selfish? God, if you could just give me this, my life would be better. It never happens. What about when you're asking for your will to be done and not God's will to be done? What if God's putting the thorn in your side so it helps you instead of hurts you? What about when you're not asking in faith? What if there's no faith in your prayers? I mean, there's so many examples of when God doesn't hear you. Now, he might hear your voice audibly, but he might be looking at you saying, I can't, I can't do anything with that. That's something to think about. It's a hard-hitting passage of Scripture. Paul thanks God for the relationship that he has with the Ephesian church because it encourages him. It brings him into a better relationship with God as he thanks them for what's going on. In the other churches, we see that Paul's prayer life was encouraged because of some of the negative things that were going on. Always approaches God, praise, repentance, asking, yielding. Let's keep going. 17. Okay, I wish this was number one, but Paul didn't put it there, okay? 17. So that... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. When you pray, you get a spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, there's a couple things here, but what Paul would encourage us here, especially if we were in the church, is he would say, I want you to personally know God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are thinking to yourself, okay, that doesn't apply to me because I've been a Christian for a long time. No, 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 no. This is a letter to the church. Do you get that? Like people who already know Jesus. So why would Paul be looking at me and saying, I want a relationship with God personally through Jesus Christ? Because you just came to him and you just said, hey, I'm doing a bad job on my own. I want you, which is a lot of people in uh, American culture. And we essentially have said, ready for this? That I don't want to go to hell. I just want to go to heaven. We unwrapped the gift of salvation and left it at the tree like a bad Christmas present. Paul's saying you need to pick that gift back up and you need to re-examine it. And you need to re-look at this. Look at what he says. Watch this. He says, first of all, when you do this and you look at this, you'll receive Holy Spirit wisdom. This does not mean that you'll start speaking in tongues and running down the aisles. Thank God, right? Because somebody jumps up and that happens like I'm... I'm skeptical, okay? This isn't a charismatic or Pentecostal verse where it says you receive the gift of speaking in tongues. It's not the passage of Scripture, all right? He says, when you pray, you have the ability to see, and we talked about this a little bit from uh, last week, and receive the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to see life from God's perspective and the ability to discern what is right or wrong. Everybody has a conscience. The question is, what is the capacity of your conscience? See what I'm saying? So if I 
know things. The question is, what is the capacity of me to know said thing? If I know Jesus, okay, I might just know him on a normal level, but I have the capacity to go deeper in a relationship with him by understanding things that I didn't see before. My perspective has changed on the world. If you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, your perspective should be different on the world. Your perspective should be different on relationships. Your perspective should be different on your marriages, on your kids. It goes on and on and on and on and on. You are not called to live the old life. You're called to live the new life. You are now discerning what is right or wrong based off the Holy Spirit that was given to you. Now, this happens for us in our marriage, okay? So what happens is we have the kids, and if we're on the same page, and we're like at a roller coaster at an amusement park, like we discern now because we have kids that this might not be the best ride for them to go on, all right? Before we have kids, we're like, shove those kids on the roller coaster, right? Because they're in front of us in line. We're two married people without kids, and we're like, what's the big deal? Put the five-year-old on the roller coaster. Who cares what the stick says? I just want to get on the ride, right? But now I have kids. I look at it and I go, no, that's a bad idea, okay? And not only is it a bad idea for the kid, he might survive. It's a bad idea for mom and dad. They got to deal with that when he steps off the roller coaster, right? My perspective changes when I have kids about kids. My perspective changes about the world when I come into a relationship with God. So Paul says, I want you to access this spirit who is in you so you have the ability to perceive the world in a different way. Number two, it says it reveals an enlightened understanding or insight into God himself and the mysteries of this divine truth. Let me give you two passages of scripture. First Corinthians says, the natural secular person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. The secular society that's out there looks at what we do in here and calls it foolish. Why would you spend time talking to somebody who doesn't hear you back? Let me tell you something. Uh, I just listened to a, a guy uh, talk the other day about one of the most um, popular atheists in the world. And he was a Christian at, this time, at the time of Billy Graham's crusades. He walked away from the faith. He wrote a book that was essentially called My, Relation, My Walk Away from God. They interviewed him later on down the road, and they said, um, what is the one thing that you, that you think about Jesus now that you, you have essentially wrote him off? And he says, I can't explain it. He says, I miss him. I'm, I miss the closeness. I, I, I had a, I miss it. He's like, I just feel so lost over here in this world. And, and, and when I was with him, I, I felt so connected. The secular person sees what we do as folly, but, and he's not able to understand because they're, they're not spiritually certain, but for him, you and I, who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him, we have, ready for this, the mind of Christ. When I come into a relationship with God, I have the mind of Christ. When I stepped into my marriage, I thought differently. When I had kids, I thought differently. When I came into a relationship with Jesus, everything changed. Look at <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, also written by Paul. And so, the day we, you and I, heard, we haven't ceased to pray. Hearing catalyst movement to action to pray. Why pray? Because it reminds us that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. When is the last time that you pray that your brother or your sister who is struggling in any area of their life would be discerning based off the spirit that is within them? Like, I, I, can't, I can't think of a time that I have looked legitimately at somebody and said, maybe we just need to sit here for a second and just pray that the spirit would enlighten us and that we would pull all the distractions away from us and just be quiet in this moment crazy. The verse continues, he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, look at verse 18, that you may know, now watch this, 
He wants us to take the gift back out and really look at it and examine it about what it means to be in a relationship with Christ. Hope to which he called you, riches of his glorious inheritance, immeasurable greatness. Man, I gotta go quick. I hate time. Three truths. Watch this. About you and I and our relationship with Jesus Christ. One, you and I have hope that other people would die for. My hope is that I'm blessed because I'm in a relationship with Jesus here in this present world, that there's a future inheritance for me, and there's an assurance that God will do all that he has promised to do. Now, some people look at me and they say, Jordan, why is it that people go to hell? Like, that doesn't make any sense. If you don't have a relationship here, how can you have a relationship here? You chose it. So if I don't have a relationship with Jesus now, why would I have a relationship with Jesus later? God's going to look at me and say, now you want access to me? Right? There is hope, present world, and future. But so oftentimes as the Christian, we look at this gift and we receive it. We put it right back down because it doesn't have any tangible application for us in the present society we live in. False! It has so much application for you if you discipline yourself to spend time in prayer and just slow down and breathe. And realize that there's hope for you in this situation that you're in. And God is using that circumstance to conform you to the image of his will. Look at the other one. He says, there's riches of his glorious inheritance. Not an inheritance that is to be used later, an inheritance that is to be used now. I'm telling you what, my mom and dad write the inheritance check right now, I'm spending it. And if you're not in that boat, you're crazy. Your mom and dad look at you, Mother's Day gift, and they're like, Hey, we thought about this, we prayed about this, we realized that you could spend our inheritance better now than you could later on down the road, and we're like, hey, if the Spirit's leading mom and dad, we're all for it, right? Go nuts. And that's what Jesus says, he says, I give it to you now as a precious possession. Do you see your relationship with Christ as a precious possession? Then watch this. If I have this precious possession, there's power in it. All God's promises are rooted in God's power. The question is, do you access it? Are, are you in Paul's vein where you would say, I have the capacity, or maybe you just need to see yourself with the capacity to access God's promises? Well, Jordan, why do I keep falling short? Because maybe your prayer life's off point. Well, Jordan, I don't understand. I, don't spend, I, I, I spend time talking to God. You talk to God like I just described or is it more a one-sided conversation where you want instead of asking God his perspective, right? And I see this all the time. I'm going to reveal something to you, but and don't tell anybody I told you this because I've asked everybody this this week. So what's your top five favorite movies? Now, here's, here's where you go. You start thinking about it. You're like, man, that's a tough question. That's like asking who my favorite kid is. Top five favorite movies go. So it doesn't matter where I've been past two weeks. I said, hey, what's your top five favorite movies? Now, it's kind of been a little shady on my behalf. I'll tell you why. Because I was waiting for somebody to say, I don't know, what's yours? We get so wrapped up with ourselves that we forget to ask questions to others. If we're so wrapped up with ourselves forgetting to ask questions to others, how is it in our relationship with Jesus Christ that is parallel? When's the last time you asked your wife questions, your kids questions? When's the last time you asked Jesus questions? God loves people who ponder. Because what you're doing is you're taking the gift, you're pulling it out, you're examining it, and you're looking at it, and you're like, God, how's this work? How's this work? And he's like, I don't know, go find out. And so you go into his word, and you spend time talking with him and praying with him and honestly telling him everything that's going on and all the, all the little things and all the little areas of your brain, and, and you're having a conversation with him, and then before you know it, you get there, and oh, the lights came on. That's Holy Spirit wisdom. And you get there, and, you, and you're like, whoa. And then you look back, and you say, look how far I've come. You will get farther asking questions than you will giving demands, especially in your relationship with God. You'll get farther in your marriages that way. You'll get farther with your kids that way. You'll get farther in life that way. You know how people climb up the corporate ladder? They ask questions. How'd you get there? How'd you do that? I'm full of them. I ask crazy questions. How did you, I'm curious, I'm naturally curious. My prayer for the church is that they would become curious again. And they would seek. Man, can you imagine? 
Okay, so because of God's power, we know we have hope, riches, power. Let's wrap this thing up. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, watch this. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. God worked in Christ. Seated him at the right um, hand in heavenly places. From far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. God gave Jesus the ability to have everything under his feet. Gave him the head over all things to the church, which is the body and fullness of him who fits all. And so knowing all these things, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I spend time talking to him and praying to him. What am I supposed to do? Like, what do I do with that? Let me tell you something, especially for us. And those of you who are visitors today, (laughs) sorry, not sorry. (laughs) But because this is really for our family to serve. There is so much satisfaction that comes with serving Jesus Christ. I, I just can't explain it. I love to, to serve in the way that I serve here at the church, to come and to preach and to kind of help you make this clear of all these things. And, and Paul would say here at the very end, he would say, I want you to serve. Why? Why would he say, I want you to serve? Because Christ served. So we model him. Watch how Christ served. First of all, he rose God rose Christ from the dead. If Jesus would have never been raised, then Christ wouldn't have the ability to serve you by raising your body. Do you realize that? Like he comes into a relationship with us and he says, he says, no, 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 I have a relationship with God, but I'm gonna serve you by being in a relationship with you. So Christ's first service to us is offering himself. Watch what else he says. He says, <clears throat> exalting Christ, God exalted Christ, to the present position of authority. So Christ is seated at the throne and he serves the church on our behalf with all of his power until all of his enemies have been overcome. Now, what that tells me is, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is that he has to reign until he puts all the enemies at his feet. I don't know about you, but that makes me really happy knowing that somebody who is fighting for me Like, it's one thing to oppose somebody who's a fighter. It's another thing to have a fighter on your side, right? I have a couple friends who fight, like MMA fight. Let me tell you something. I'd rather be their friend than their enemy, okay? Like, I'd rather be on the side of a person. Um, (laughs) I I know some guys who, uh, who are bodybuilders. They're huge. Let me tell you something. I walk behind them and not in front of them for a reason, right? Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm positioned properly. Like, when we walk down, like, people are looking at them, and I'm okay with that. Because guess what? You're not going to mess with me when you see somebody who's bigger than me in front of me, right? That's how it is with Jesus. Watch this. So Christ serves us, gives us the opportunity to have his power displayed, appoints Christ to be the head over the church, serves us, and so we, in turn, serve as well. And so let me ask you a question. I mean, where do you serve, you know? I mean, where do you plug in and and, and realize your gifting? Let me give you a couple of things. First of all, you being here today is an act of service. Nobody gives a congregation credit for being at church, and they should. So if you have made it a point to be at Community Gospel as much as you possibly can, let me just say thanks. Like, when's the last time we just said thanks for showing up? You show up here, and you listen, and you sing, hey, thanks, Thanks for making Sunday a priority. Some of you work like opposite shifts. You can only be here every other week. That's fine. Some of you travel. That's fine. But when you're home, you're like, hey, we're coming to church. That's a way to serve is to be present so that you can see people who are gathered here. And you look over at them and you're like, hey, man, how was your week? What was going on? You serve through service of showing up. If you look on your slip, there's a walk with us thing where one of the things that we desire for all of our people is just to make Sunday mornings a priority. Like to just see that Christ needs to be kind of at the head and we're, we're just going to be here. We're just going to attend. And then there's a, another little spot in there where it says, we want you to be in the gospel project. We give you a chance to have like a devotional where you're spending time with God in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. And we, that's just kind of our walk. We see that Christ was the same way. He spent time with his disciples. And as he serves us, we would say that you need to just kind of maybe make Sunday morning a priority. Or maybe for you, you're not like in a midweek thing and you need to make kind of the midweek thing happen. Maybe you don't pray and you need to make that happen. There's so many areas that we look at and we can give up our time, which is so important because God says where your time is, there I see what you're really passionate about. A lot of times it's not that we don't have time, it's just that we haven't made things a priority. So, give your time. 
That's one way that you can serve Christ. So if you show up on Sunday mornings, you're making this priority, thanks. If you're walking in the middle of the week in the gospel project or you're in a Bible study, good. You're spending time in prayer with God, you're doing Proverbs a day, great. You're giving your time sacrificially, that's good. Paul would say that's good. Two, you have a specific gift that is to be utilized for the church. We just talked about this uh, this morning in Sunday school. There's a specific thing that you do that other people can't. And you can reach people for the gospel because of that specific gift. You look at it yourself, maybe you're sitting here in the church and you think to yourself, that's not me, you know, like I, I'm not gifted. You are gifted. And there's a spot for you at church. You go outside these doors, there's a spiritual gift test, pull that thing out, take that thing home today. There's various ministries for you to plug in here at Community Gospel and you're sitting here saying, Jordan, just plugging away. Yeah, absolutely, because we need you to help make Christ known near and far. It's not just a one-person effort. It's multiple and we want you to experience that, right? We want you to understand how filling that can be in walking with Jesus that way in your individual gifting. Now, if you're a visitor, sorry, not sorry, but two, serve through giving your finances. God says, if I really want to know where you're at, he would say, I would look at your money. If your hands are like this with your money, how can God bless something that is so tightly closed? So if, if, if I'm here and this is my money, what I essentially do is I go like this, and then I go like this, right? So I go like this, and then I go like this. That's the way that God has it to work, because it's all his anyway. Some of you are faithful givers. Thanks. Great. You're exercising that gift. Some of you have the ability to give really well. Some of you give really well, and you don't have a whole lot to give. Thanks. Because you're making Christ known near and far. You're having the opportunity to see his hand. Some people are just givers themselves. Like that's what they do. They just, they just give. They're like, hey, my spiritual gift is giving money. I'm like, I wish mine was, right? I'm, I'm a speaker. But essentially they just say, here's the money that I got from God. Here's how I give it away. Here's the money I got from God. Here's how I give it away. If you talk to somebody who's a good giver, they would say, man, they just see so much benefit of the way that God has worked through their finances. Um, we talked to a person a long time ago. They were having finances. They weren't giving. And we looked at them and we said, hey, why don't, why don't you give? And they were like, we, ever since we started giving, we haven't had any money problems whatsoever. Because so we've looked at our finances. <clears throat> and I'm, Paul's talking to the church here. So if you're new and you go home and you're like, see, I told you all Jordan wants was money. Well, yeah, Jordan does, but the church doesn't, okay? So blame me as a person, but don't blame the church. Because it, it takes those things to keep it going. It takes finances, it takes gifting, and it takes our time. God has it that way for a person. So as we close this morning, we're so over time. I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> but let me ask you just a couple questions as we close. First of all, I think number two is, should be number one. And I know there's visitors here. And Before you look at anything else, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you confessed that you're a sinner and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ's blood covers that sin on the cross? Are you adamantly open about the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you call CGC home? We have a blue shirt uh, here at the church with the three circles, and on the back it says, ask me why I love Community Gospel Church. I would hope that if anybody asks you that in public, you say, because of the gospel that I've received. That's why I love this church. And so CGC is here because of the gospel. Now, let me ask, uh, are, do you pray? What does your prayer life look like? Do you pray for yourself, specifically your heart? Like, are you open and honest with God, confidently approaching the throne? What about other people? Do you pray for them in that way? Would you pray for me that way? I mean, I covet your prayers. And what about the church? Do you pray for the church? Remember when my grandma was alive? We would sit around at Thanksgiving, and she would pray. And she would say, and God, thank you for the church. Strengthen and empower it to reach people who are lost. Good prayer. And you pray, are you open and honest with God? Are you talking to him? What about your time and the things that you're making a priority? Your gifting, the way that God has wired you, and your finances. What does that look like? I'm do a heart valuation this morning. That's tough. Paul specifically says that Christ serves us. And so we in turn serve him and each other. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, this is, uh, this is tough, and, and with time constraints and all that other stuff, it's, it can be difficult, especially for 
those of us who are new and, and, and maybe we just we're not here every day. Um, maybe, you know, some of us are just, are just kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. So for those of you who are gathered here this morning, would you do me a huge favor and evaluate your heart? I double, triple dog dare you to see where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. If, if you are here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, he is specifically calling you to have that relationship today. If you didn't hear anything that I said, hear this. That God loved the world so much, loved you so much, that he gave his only son, I can't imagine, giving my only child. That if you would believe in him, you would not perish. You'll have everlasting life that starts here on this earth and carries on to eternity. Jesus didn't come here to condemn the world. He came here to save the world. He came here to save a sinner like me and like you. The Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you are here in this place and this is your first week and you've never heard that message before, may it sink into your heart. And may you turn from yourself and ask God today for a relationship with him. The Bible says if you confess that you're a sinner and believe in your heart that Jesus's blood covers that sin, you'll be saved. Make the best decision that you've ever made. Come into a relationship with Jesus. For those of us who have made that decision, we call ourselves the church God, and we have looked at the gift that you've given to us, and a lot of us have set it back down. And so would you help us to pick that back up and help us to examine it. Help us to see all the great things that you have done to have a open and honest conversation with you about the sin that entangles us. As your servant Paul says, the flesh hangs on us and it easily entangles us and we wrestle with it. And may the congregation who's gathered here, God, those of you who are present here, may you really open and honestly have a great conversation like a parent to a child with the creator of the universe. And may you repent of yourselves. God, help us to realize that truth, to repent of our sins and then trust in your will and not our own and yield to it and pause to it and reflect upon it, making you a priority. Lord Jesus, help us as a church to continue to serve well, help us as a church to continue to sacrifice our time and our energy. Help us to see that we have a gift that can be utilized for the kingdom and allow us to understand that there's even monetary things that can be used for your glory. Loosen the things that entangle us and give us the opportunity to use them well for your kingdom. May we see this gift of Jesus, your son, who is given to us as a precious gift that is to be utilized and not passed by. Impress these truths on the hearts of people who are gathered here this morning in ways that I can't. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray and all God's children say. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.